Psalm 85 and verse 9 and 10 tonight. just want to study a little nugget of truth that the Lord gave me probably about a year ago. I was listening to a sermon at the church we were at before in Indiana, and uh, this nugget of truth has stuck with me, and it's actually interesting how the Lord laid this on my heart again with Brother Tim's message and even Pastor's message on Sunday morning. Um, kind of goes along with it, which does not surprise me. The Lord never surprises me when He puts everything together and just makes it all dovetail. That's the Lord. So it's not a surprise. Psalm 85, verse 9 and 10. Verse 9 says, Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. Righteousness and peace have kissed each other. Uh, This evening, I want to look at this idea of mercy and truth. Mercy and truth are met together. You know, we we like to talk about mercy, especially God's mercy. And we especially love to have mercy given to us when, especially if we're guilty of something. But what does God's word say about mercy? And I want to look at that tonight. The The words mercy and truth occur more often in the Psalms than any other book of the Bible. In fact, mercy occurs more in the, in the Psalms than, in, in, than all the rest of the Old Testament put together. Here are some examples. Psalm 25, verse 10 says, All the paths of the Lord are mercy and truth unto such as keep His covenant and His testimony. Psalm 57, 10, For thy mercy is great unto the heavens, and thy truth unto the clouds. Psalm 86, verse 15, But thou, O Lord, art a God full of compassion and gracious long-suffering and plenteous in mercy and truth. Psalm 98, verse 3, He hath remembered His mercy and His truth toward the house of Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Now you might be thinking, how can God's truth, which abhors sin, be compatible with His mercy, which forgives sin? Nevertheless, we see that the Bible says they are met together. And in verse 9, we, say, we see, for his salvation is nigh them that fear him. Mercy and truth are actually brought together at least 16 times in the Old Testament, including the 10 times in the Psalms. And when God's eternal truth can be united with his loving mercy, there's a great blessing indeed. And that's what I want to look at tonight. Turn with me then to Psalm 115. We're going to do a little bit of turning here at the beginning. Psalm 115. Psalm 115 and verse 1. Again, we're just going to do a little bit of turning to kind of set up, hopefully, the stage for what I want to give you tonight. So, Psalm 115 and verse number 1, it says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. One of the reasons we are to give God glory is because of his his mercy and His truth. These two attributes here. Now, there are many other attributes of God, and all of the attributes are great. I don't believe that because God is so omnipotent and so great that we can say certain ones are better than the others. But I do believe that God's mercy and His truth are towards the top of the list. There there are some great attributes. And so we are to give glory to God for His mercy and for His truth. Then turn over to Proverbs chapter 3. Again, just getting a little bit, you know, so you don't fall asleep tonight. Giving you a little bit of workout on your Bible. 
Proverbs chapter 3. Proverbs chapter 3 and verse number 3. Proverbs 3, verse 3, Let not mercy and truth forsake thee. Bind them about thy neck. Write them upon the table of thine heart. Solomon tells his son here that it was very important for him to have these two attributes, mercy and truth in his life. Then turn over to John chapter 3 and verse number 16. I'm really working you out there, jumping all the way to John chapter 3. John chapter 3 and verse number 16. We all know it, so I'm going to go ahead and start reading it. But I'm going to keep reading after John chapter 3 and verse 16. So John 3 and verse 16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. We see in these two verses, verse 16 and 17, we see the mercy of God. It's a loving mercy. Because of God's loving mercy, He sent His only Son to die for our sins. But now let's look at verse 18 and the following verses to verse 21. Verses 18 through 21 of John 3. He that believeth on Him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. And this is the condemnation. That light is come into the world, and men love darkness rather than light, because their deeds were evil. For every one that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. Verse 21, But he that doeth truth cometh to the light, that his deeds may be made manifest, that they are wrought in God. So in verses 16 and 17, we saw the mercy of God, a loving mercy. But then in verses 18 through 21, we also see the truth of God. It's a condemning truth against sin. So what's the big idea? Well, the big idea is to obtain God's mercy, we must do what verse 21 says. Come to the light. Come to the truth. Acknowledge the truth about our sin and the truth about God, and God will give us mercy. So that's what I want to look at tonight. With God's help, I want to show you the importance of how mercy and truth are met together and what it means for you and I. Let's pray as we begin. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for your mercy, Lord, and we thank you for the truth of your word as well. Lord, I pray you'd help me now tonight as I speak your word that the people here tonight would not see or hear me, but they would see and hear you, Lord, and and hear your word, the truth of your word, because that is what's going to change us. Lord, I can't change people. Only Holy Spirit, you can do that, and I pray that you would tonight, that you would give us something from your word. We do thank you again for all you do for us. We are such a needy people, and you're such a great God, and it's uh, just amazing to think about how you have sent your son to die for our sins. Bless this time now, work in hearts as only you can. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. I want to first of all look at the definitions. What does the words mercy and truth mean? So we're just going to split them up for a second, then we'll bring them back together and we'll apply it tonight. So the definitions of mercy and truth. Well, mercy, according to Webster's 1828 Dictionary, defines it as, quote, that benevolence, mildness, or tenderness of heart which disposes a person to overlook injuries or to treat an offender better than he deserves. 
the disposition that tempers justice and induces an injured person to forgive trespasses and injuries and to forbear, forbear punishment or inflict less than law or justice will warrant. In other words, we all know that mercy is seen when a judge shows undeserved favor to a person who deserves justice and is condemned to death. But mercy goes a little deeper than that. As many times our English language does not give all of the angles of a word, I believe it goes even further, and we see this in the Word of God. In the Hebrew, the word mercy means, quote, a loyal love or an unfailing commitment. We see that in Isaiah 55, verse 3. It says, Incline your ear and come unto me. Hear, and your soul shall live. And I will make an everlasting covenant with you, even the sure mercies of David. You see, God, His mercy to us is a loyal love. It's an unfailing commitment to us. God, the best example of His mercy is in this way. Because of His mercy, He has a loyal love and unfailing commitment to us. Micah 7, verse 18. Pastor's been going through Micah in the Sunday morning or Sunday school. And remember in chapter 6, verse 2, the Lord, it says there, the Lord hath a controversy with his people. Pastor's really given us a lot of uh, good uh, information about all of what God had against the children of Israel. But in ver- Micah chapter 7, verse 18, it says, Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression? Of the remnant of his heritage. He retaineth not his anger forever, because he delighteth in mercy. He's, he's still merciful, even though they had sinned against him wickedly, as we've learned. He was still merciful to them because of his loyal love and unfailing commitment to them. So we see God's mercy and what it means. Then God's truth, or the truth of God. Well, in John 18, verse 38, we know that Pilate asked Christ, what is truth, right? And in the previous verse, so John chapter 18, verse 37, Christ as God answers and says that he came to bear the truth because God is truth. John 18, verse 37, Pilate therefore said unto him, art thou a king? Then Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. God is truth. It says in Romans chapter 3, verse 4, Yea, let God be true, and every man a liar. Pastor mentioned that one on Sunday morning. Deuteronomy 32, verse 4, he also quoted this one. Deuteronomy 32.4 says, He is the rock. His work is perfect for all His ways are judgment. A God of truth and without iniquity, just and right is He. God is the standard of truth. God has told us the truth. He said that our hearts are full of sin. Jeremiah 17 verse 9. There's nothing good in us. Homosexuality is sin. Lust committed in our heart is sin. But, you know, we, we know the truth of God, but we don't always like the truth. Why? Because the truth hurts, as we always say. You know, we say that when we're telling somebody else the truth. The truth hurts, and you should listen to me. Well, why does the truth hurt? It shows us who we really are. But we, 
And we like to make excuses. We don't like the truth, so we like to make excuses. And I think it goes even deeper that because of the lusts of our hearts and the bent of our hearts towards sin, we like to change the truth. We like to justify the truth, you know, justify ourselves. But you know, we can't change the truth of God. It's immutable, it's unchanging, it's unchangeable. Romans, but God obviously foreseeing that this was going to happen with many people, he said in Romans chapter 1, verse 24 through 28, wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. For this, this cause, God gave them up, to, up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the woman, the woman burned in their lust toward one another. Men with men working that which is unseemly and receiving in themselves the recompense of their error, which was meat. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them up to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. They changed the truth of God into something else to justify what they were doing. But God gave them up to a reprobate mind. He's not going to be mocked. Isaiah 5, verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. We've seen, we're seeing that today. What is good is being called evil and what's evil is being called good. They're doing it because they don't want the truth of God. And in this world of lies, the Bible's really the only thing we can look for, look to for the standard of truth. It's the only thing we can really read unfiltered. Or in other words, we can read God's word without having to worry about it not being truthful. Everything else we have to put through the filter of God's word. At least we should. We can't believe just everything because today especially, and not, that, not just today, it's been that way all throughout eternity, you know, throughout all time, because God's word is the only thing that's true. But especially today, we have to submit things through the filter of God's word. But why am I saying all this? Well, many times we like to think of ourselves as not as bad or not really that bad. We compare ourselves with other people. And the Bible says that's not wise, right? You know, we could, uh, if I didn't ever go to the mirror, I might think I'm this, you know, strapping, you know, uh, ripped young man. But then when I go to the mirror, I look in the mirror and I go, yeah, ripped and strapped and all that don't really meet, you know, meet up in the mirror there. They don't come together. Because I looked into the mirror and I really saw who I was. And we chuckle, but James said that in James chapter 1, verse 23 through 25, for if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass, for he beholdeth himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. In other words, when we go to the truth of God's word, when we go to the mirror of God's word, if you will, and we let God show us who we are, God gives us the mercy and the ability to be forgiven and to be cleansed and to be able to be victorious. But we have to realize who we really are. 
before God in order for God to be able to give us mercy. So we've seen from God's perspective what mercy and truth means. So now let's look at, then secondly, the connection between mercy and truth in the Bible. So we've seen what they mean. Now let's see why is there a connection here? Why does Psalm 85 verse 9 and 10 say that mercy and truth are met together? I want you to see from God's word the fact that God's mercy is dependent on us admitting the truth about ourselves and our sin according to God's word. So look with me at some examples of this fact. I want to look at, first of all, Israel. Turn to Exodus chapter 34. Exodus chapter 34. So we're trying to prove here from these biblical examples, once we realize who we are according to the truth of God and his word, God then can give us mercy. When we come to that place of realizing who we really are and admitting that, acknowledging that, then God can give us mercy. Exodus chapter 34 and verse number 6 through 10. Exodus 34 verse 6 says, And the Lord passed by before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord God, merciful and gracious, long-suffering and abundant in goodness and truth, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children and upon the children's children unto the third and to the fourth generation. And Moses made haste and bowed his head toward the earth and worshiped. And he said, if now I have found grace in thy sight, O Lord, let my Lord, I pray thee, go among us. For it is a stiff-necked people and pardon our iniquity and our sin and take us for thine inheritance. In verse 10, he said, and he said, behold, I make a covenant. So we see, what, what was the context of these verses? Well, it, we, we, we know these, these passages in, Psalm, in uh, Exodus 32. Moses was talking with God in the mount. And while he was there, the children of Israel made a molten calf and began to worship that calf. And Moses comes down from the mountain and he gets angry with them and breaks the tables of the stone. And then he comes before God and he admits the truth about the Israelites' sin in verse number 9. For it is a stiff-necked people. And he begs God to show mercy to them for their sin. And God commands them, commands uh, Moses to make two more tables of stone like the first. And then in Exodus chapter 34, 34, verse 6, we see God telling Moses that he was going to be merciful and long-suffering to them. But then in verse 7, it almost seems as if God changes direction here from being a merciful God to a just God. He says in verse 7, keeping mercy for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, and that by and that will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children under the third and to the fourth generation. It almost seems as if he goes back. We know he didn't because that would, he would cease to be God then. But I believe what he was saying here is not only the fact that when we sin, there's consequences, but I believe that there's this idea of the fact that once they admitted the truth about their sin... God could be merciful to them. Because if you see in verse number nine, Moses says, for it is a stiff-necked people. He, com he confesses the sin of Israel and then God pardons them. In verse number 10, he says, behold, I make a covenant and he gives them mercy. So we have to be truthful with God about our sin. This is not the only example. So don't th shut me down too quickly. Luke chapter 23, 
Luke chapter 23 and verse number 39. We know this passage, but turn there, Luke chapter 23. We're just showing, I want to show you here this idea of once we admit and acknowledge the truth about our sin, according to God's word, God can be merciful to us. Luke chapter 23 and verse number 39 through 43. This is the, uh, the two men that were um, on either side of Jesus when he was on the cross. And we see in verse number 39, and one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. Verse 40, But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And then verse 30, in verse 42, this man, this penitent thief says, And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. In verse 43, Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today thou shalt thou be with me in paradise. We see that penitent thief, unlike the other man, admitted the truth about himself and his sin. For we receive the due reward for our deeds. And then in verse 30, 42, he asks for God's mercy. And God grants him mercy because he admitted the truth about his sin. And then let's go to, this is the one that Brother Tim uh, preached on, but I won't re-preach his sermon. Um, so Psalm 51, we all know that one especially. You might not even have to turn there, especially since we just heard it last week. But if you're like me, sometimes you don't remember what you did yesterday. And you have to be reminded, you know, oh, that's what he preached on last week. Um, Psalm 51. David. What did David do? He didn't try. At first he covered up his sin. But David began to be convicted about his sin. And he began to admit the truth about his sin, right? Psalm 51, verse 1. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness. According to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against thee, thee only have I sinned and done this evil in thy sight. That thou mightest be justified when thou speakest and be clear when thou judgest. Go down to verse number six. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts and in the hidden part thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Verse 7, purge me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. We see David here admitted the truth about his sin and God granted him abundant mercy despite his wicked, awful sin. And then we see a, one actually opposite of what I'm trying to prove here in Acts chapter 5. We see that when Ananias and Sapphira did not admit the truth about their sin and lied against the Holy Ghost. So Acts chapter 5, we see this very familiar passage of Ananias and Sapphira. They kept back part of the, the, the money that they should have given. And it says in verse 3, so Acts chapter 5 and verse number 3, but Peter said, Ananias, why hast, hath Satan filled thine heart to lie against the Holy Ghost and to keep back part of the price of the land? Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this saying in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And we see, we know the, what happened to Ananias and Sapphira. God judged them. Why? Because they lied. 
They did not admit the truth about what they had done, and God could not grant them mercy. Having understood this, that God is truth and requires truth, but we also see that God is very merciful, then I would like to, in conclusion, apply these truths to our lives. What, would it, what is it going to look like in our life? Going back to Psalm 85, verse 9 and 10, Surely His salvation is nigh them that fear Him, that glory may dwell in our land. Mercy and truth are met together. So what does it look like? Well, the truth is, no matter how wicked your sin is tonight, God already knew your sin. He already knew what you were going to do before you even committed it. You know, this. Um, some of you guys know I'm taking getting my master's in biblical counseling. And I have loved, they're starting out to, to teach about biblical anthropology. I, I've taken biblical anthropology in college, the study of man. And just, it's neat to see all these things, how our standing before God and how God has chosen us even before the foundations of the world. And he already, even knowing, and I, and I, and I know these truths, it's not like I didn't know them, but man, it's just in a different light. Things just, it's just, amazing who God is and who we are and, and just the, the gulf that's fixed between us because of our sin, but yet God loves us. And even though he knew everything we were going to do, even though he knew all the sins we were going to commit before he even committed them, God wants to be merciful to us. He wants to extend his abundant mercy to us and to our wicked sin. But we have to have true sorrow of heart. We have to say, God, I'm a wicked sinner. This is what my sin is according to your word. Not according to what I think about it, but according to God's word. God, this is what my sin is. Really, that's what repentance is. Repentance is acknowledging humbly and admitting the truth about our sin. 1 John 1, I'll read it for you. Just listen. If you want to try to get there, that's fine. 1 John 1, verse 5 through 9. This then is the message which we have heard of him. And declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. He's the standard of truth, in other words. If we say, and then it goes on to these, these if statements. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, that is truth, according to God, we have fellowship with one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. That's mercy, mercy and truth. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. Then the passage we like, especially, if we confess our sins, truth, according to God. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Mercy, mercy and truth, mercy and truth. And how interchangeable and how, like a glove, they go together. But you know, there's unfortunately, there's many people that are either going to hell or have gone to hell because they will not admit the truth about their sin according to God and His Word. They're comparing themselves, as I already said. But all they needed to do and all they need to do is just admit the truth about themselves and God's going to pardon them. You know, God uses the Bible to convict us of our sin. This passage was mentioned in that, the classes that I'm going over, but um, Proverbs 20, verse 27, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord, searching all the inward parts of the belly. 
God's word searches us. It, 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 it's that light that goes into the in, even the inward parts of our belly, into every little nook and cranny and, and really works and, 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 and does what really Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12 says, for the work of God, word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul. That's our, that's our intellect, our emotions, our will, and then our spirit. And of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. You know, God uses his word to convict us. And that's what he wants to, to do to change us. He wants us to admit the truth about our sin as he convicts us. But you know what the devil likes to use and likes to, us to focus on? The devil likes to foc- us to focus on guilt. Don't get me wrong. When you sin, there's guilt. Okay? But God doesn't want us to focus on the guilt. God wants us to focus on the fact that he can be merciful to us and take care of the guilt. But guilt is the number one reason why people need counseling and help. Because they do things to cover up the guilt. And psychologists don't help anything. They work to remove the guilt by covering up the symptoms of sin with all the meds and everything else rather than dealing with the root problem. And the root problem is sin. We must deal with sin. I'm not, and don't get me wrong again, I, I not, I'm not saying the medical chemistry of a brain, it, I understand there are people that really do suffer from imbalances. But I'm talking about the people that are just, they just need to confess their sin. Okay, So please don't get me wrong. And, and I know I don't have the time to go into the depth of all, and I don't even yet know, this is the first class out of, how many did I say, Mary? Um, 16 classes that I'm going to be taking on biblical counseling. So I am not standing up here saying that I know everything about counseling. But I'm loving already what I'm learning. So if that is worth anything, praise the Lord, I'm excited. All right. Um, but the point is, is, you know, just God wants us to focus on the guilt. But we just need to confess our sins Believe the truth about our sin and God will be merciful to us and forgive us. And and if we're struggling with sin, all we got to do is just realize what that sin is according to God's word. Go to God's word and say, what is that sin? What is the sin of anger according to God? What is the sin of this? And what is the sin of that according to God? And see what God says and acknowledge that and ask God for mercy and God will give us mercy. Admit the truth about your besetting sin and God will be merciful. God's not the problem. We're the problem. (laughs) And ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. John 8, verse 32. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 31 and 32 says, for if if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened of the Lord that we should not be condemned with the world. In other words, if we admit the truth about our sin, we judge ourselves, we'll have God's mercy. But if we don't, God's going to chasten us, especially if we are his child. He's going to get us to that point. So we need to get in the Bible and say, God, what, what, this is a sin I'm struggling with, and what does your word say about it? And I acknowledge the truth about my sin, and I'm asking you for, my mercy, for your mercy, and he'll give us his mercy God is thrilled with giving us mercy, but he's waiting on our honesty. And as I close, I'm going to close with this verse to just sum it all up. Proverbs 16, verse 6 says, By mercy 
and truth, iniquity is purged. And by the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. What a tremendous blessing. Mercy and truth are met together. It's, such, it's a truth we know. We know I, I'm speaking to a Wednesday night crowd. I know we all knew about mercy and truth. I wasn't going to come up here with this some new theology because there's nothing new under the sun, by the way. So if I came up to in here, came up in here, I sound, that sounded ghetto. Um, if I came up in here with a new thing, um, sorry, I lived near Chicago for seven years and that, yeah. Um, if I came here giving you something new, you'd be going, okay, maybe he um, needs to go back to college and get a few things about the Bible. Um, but it's neat to see this idea of mercy and truth being met together and just being reminded of what God wants to do in our hearts and how merciful he wants to be. But you know, it's, so, it's hard sometimes to be honest about our sin. We love it too much. And sometimes we just like to take God's word and we would never say we do it because we, we're, we're too, too good of Christians to say that we actually do this. But in essence, we're really taking God's word and, and, and just changing it to make it fit what we're doing instead of just admitting it and saying, God, I messed up. I acknowledge the truth about my sin according to your word. Will you be merciful to me? And God just sits there and waits and he brings things into our lives and he does things maybe and God finally gets us, hopefully, in the end. But maybe, may we be reminded tonight, just to be honest about our sin. As we heard last week, be honest. And, and there are absolutes, as Pastor said on Sunday morning. And we're sinful. And you know, the, the, the world doesn't want that because that means, that means that they're sinful and they don't like that. So they're going to change it. Let's not do that in the church house. Let's make sure that we are being honest with our sin, about our sin and God will grant us mercy. Let's pray as we close. Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for this wonderful truth, Lord. It wasn't anything new, Lord, but it was just a, at least for me, a good reminder of how merciful you want to be to us, Lord. And that in itself, thinking about how sinful I am and how I fail you miserably, that in itself is just unfathomable that you would do that for me. Lord, I pray that because of your love and because of your mercy, that would cause us to repent and to acknowledge the truth about our sin and just to live a life of victory over sin instead of being held by the bondage of sin, Lord. You want us to have the victory. Be with us as we go our separate ways, and I pray even for those that are going to be going back into the world, working at their jobs, being around people that aren't saved, having to deal with that, I pray that they would just be able to be a light. Be with the teens as they are at camp. Just continue to work in their hearts. Keep them safe as they come back and be with the many others that are not with us, whether it be for sickness or because of being out of town. We thank you for your love. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.